Welcome to the Luminous Podcast, helping you follow the simple yet profound call of Jesus to go and make disciples. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Luminous Podcast. I'm, my name is Jamie, and I'm here today with the Reverend Danny Stebeck of mm-hmm. Lighthouse Church in Ladner. Say, want to say hi, Danny? Yeah, hi. I feel like where's the sparklers and the the, the gazoos <laughs> and all the sound effects that are? Kazoos, yeah. Maybe you could do a post post uh, editing, Nick. You can sure. throw in some whistles and some cheers. <laughs> Definitely add some kazoo Some fake audience <laughs> laughing and cheering us on. <laughs> and on the other side of my table over here is the great Reverend Nicholas Osborne of Lighthouse Steveston. Hello. <laughs> okay. Illust- you can't see it on the podcast because you're listening, but his illustrious beard and yes. his ever-present toque is on. So Yes, yeah. he's got a look of great wisdom. Yeah. 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 And but Danny, you're also growing some wisdom on uh, your yes, face. Yes, I have my uh, my little wisdom beard to look like a wise person in my old age. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, maybe one of you could jump in and tell us um, what is this luminous podcast going to be about? Oh, I'd love to. It's going to be about um, a great journey into uh, what it really means to be a disciple, especially as it's related to how we influence others toward that fullness of life in Christ, uh, shining, reflecting the love of Jesus to others. That, that's sort of my, you know, uh, way of looking at it on a, an exciting way of looking at it. It's not very defined, but Nick, maybe define it better. Yeah. Well, I mean, our guiding statement at at Lighthouse Church is we bring Jesus to others that they may become fully alive. And so Luminous is, it's like a training module that helps us um, develop the lifestyle of the type of people who bring Jesus to others and, mm-hmm. and helps them to be fully alive. And so this podcast, um, the first few episodes, first eight or nine are gonna be directly related to the Luminous training we do, which is one of the core curriculums, I guess, at our at our church. But after that, we're hoping to um, interview other practitioners and everyday followers of Jesus who who will share their stories of how developing that lifestyle of being a disciple maker has helped them bear fruit in in the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. you it really isn't fully defined yet. I mean, we're just sitting down at a table talking about Luminous, yeah. and we're not sure yet where it's all going to end up. But yeah. I think right now, we, we definitely know we want to champion this idea of bringing Jesus to others. We want to sure. be champions of what it is to shine and reflect the love of God to those around yeah. us. We, we spent at least... 10 minutes planning out this podcast. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see where it goes. Yeah. Well, a lot more on the course that you're about to take, just to encourage you. Yeah. But yeah, as far as where the long term goes, yeah, about 10 minutes. That sounds right. Yeah. So come on a journey with us. Yeah. Well, it sounds very compelling to hear you guys say words like help people flourish and come fully alive and shine the light of Christ. Uh, and I know you're doing that through a particular method that you want to teach your participants in Luminous. Do you want to tell us a bit more about the disciple-making movement? Sure. So uh, it's sometimes abbreviated to DMM, which simply means disciple-making movement. 
And I mean, you can't see me doing air quotes, but DMM is like a new air quotes movement that's actually pretty old movement. And, uh, and it just focuses on the simple call of Jesus to go and make disciples, not go and plant large churches in large buildings, not go and develop some awesome church programs, but the simple call, go and make disciples. And it's, it's in like many countries around the world that's being practiced right now. And even here in the Luminous course, I mean, we're building the material for this course on the foundation of the material that we learned from other practitioners um, and that to help us uh, also develop that, that kind of lifestyle. And so it's most, I'd say, Danny, it's probably mostly used in de either developing nations or, mm -hmm. or restricted access nations, which are just simply nations that have restricted access for, for the gospel and, and for, for ministry. So as an example, um, according to the Joshua Project, Iran ranks as one of the, the top 10 countries in the world where it's most difficult to be a follower of Jesus. And the, the persecution of Iranian followers of Jesus is really intense. It's actually quite brutal. But the persecuted church in Iran over the last couple of years have been one of the fastest growing underground church movements in the world. And they're using DMM as, as, a, as their way or their lifestyle of, of moving the gospel forward in their nation. Yeah, we quite often in our interactions with global partners have, have heard how they're doing church just a little bit differently around the world in, in, in places where it's been difficult. And so we've been leaning into that. But I think it was during the pandemic here in Canada that we, we were forced to look at our churches and say, how are we doing church? And that's what led us to to just resetting. And we realized we don't have to reinvent things. You know, this is already around the world how people are practicing influencing others and bringing Jesus to others. And so we just wanted to lean into that. In fact, I think you went and got a course with Derek Parento. Is that the right name? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jamie and I both, both took it together. Yeah. It was like electric. Yeah. The things that he was talking about and that's the, the stories that he had. I'd love to have him on the podcast to share some of these wild stories that he had. Um, so you say it's the simple call of Jesus to go and make disciples. Now, um, hopefully you have a method here that we're going to be talking about because um, often in, in previous times, you'd have to be an evangelist or a pastor. You'd have to be very like highly equipped to feel like you could go be a proper disciple maker. So is that the case? Yeah, th that's a great question. Um, like the beautiful thing about DMM is it's God using ordinary people, like not professional evangelists, not not professional speakers or pastors, but everyday people to bring Jesus to others and, and start a kingdom movement in, in their city, their region, their family, wherever that may be. And so rather than getting wrapped up in the complexities of buildings and programs, it's, it's just a simple biblical strategy of disciples making disciples, groups of disciples, starting other groups of disciples and leaders reproducing leaders. Yeah, we've been we've been really privileged in our culture um, to be able to have money to go out to Bible school for four years, train up pastors, build fancy buildings. I mean, we've been blessed with that and it's wonderful. But uh, what our friends around the world have learned is that those luxuries aren't there. And so they've had to keep it to the very basics. 
I remember one of my global partner friends telling me how a whole bunch of people had come to faith in Christ in an area and they were not staying there. They were moving on and they had to assign one of them to be the pastor of that church. And I'm like, that guy has been like a born again believer for one day. And now he's the leader of that community. And it blows my mind because I think, how do you do that? Can that, is that, can that really happen? And so what we're looking at with a DMM is talking about, yeah, we can actually simplify things. We can remove some of the complexities and we can just see what could happen um, if we let God do something among us. Yeah. I love that. Makes it so accessible and um, everybody on the equal page. Yeah, um, I'm even teaching um, grade 12 students this method and they're getting very comfortable with learning it and so that they can talk about Jesus to um, whoever they're meeting as well. So it's not only for... It's for everybody around the world, and any age group can even yeah, do this. Yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah. Um, but how, why don't we start with clarifying some terms here? So okay. this is the disciple-making movement. So could you clarify, what do you mean by disciple? Because sometimes these things can get very vague and abstract. So what, would, what do you mean? Disciple and movement. What, what do you sure. mean by those? I'll start with disciple. Um, so in the Luminous training, our definition of a disciple is simply someone who listens to and obeys Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the idea of going and making disciples is to go and, and make someone who listens to and obeys Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we call it a movement um, because it, it's something that kind of swells and arises and you question sometimes with a movement of where's the structure behind it or where's the organization behind it. And when something doesn't appear to have a lot of organization behind it, it just appears to be growing at the grassroots level. That's when we start thinking of it as a movement. And in our case, we talk about the simplicity of one person brings Jesus to another, who brings it to some others, to some others, and so on. And it spreads. And before you know it, something visually in front of you is growing. And, and that's why we call it a movement. Yeah, and, and even just the fact that there's not a lot of organization behind it, it just yeah. demonstrates that, that it's, it's God who starts movements. Mm-hmm. It's not churches or people that start movements. We, like with the Luminous training, we know that God starts movements, and so, but we want to, I guess, prepare ourselves so that when the wind of the Spirit blows or God moves, uh, develops a heart uh, of people around us, that, that we can sort of join in to what He's already doing. So we want to prepare ourselves to join whatever God is doing in our, in our family, region, city. Yeah, so we're seeing a movement is uh, uh, a disciple who loves Jesus and wants to obey him is reaching more people to create disciples who love and obey God and uh, and so on and so on and so on. Yeah. I like that obedience part because that step is often missed when yeah. people are trying to follow Jesus, the, the obedience part. But I'm sure you're going to get into more of that Definitely. later. Oh, yeah. Next podcast. Next oh, yeah. podcast. Great. So um, why don't you two tell us all about this training that you we're doing well as i think nick had alluded to already the training that we're doing is focused on getting our sales up so that when god moves we can catch the wind of the spirit and bring jesus to others it will help us put aside our preconceptions and our church culture and return to a simpler and more effective lifestyle of disciple making much like we see reflected in the stories and the pages of the scriptures yeah and and it's not like a an addendum to our current lifestyle 
Uh, it's not like, hey, here's a couple of tricks I can pull out of the old toolbox uh, when I need it. It's actually, we want to do a complete reset of, of lifestyle so that we become the type of people who bring Jesus to others, like as just a matter of the way we live our life. And, and even though it can take years and years to begin a movement, um, becoming a person who brings Jesus to others can begin today. And it usually, I, I think for, for us, where we're talking to mostly people who have grown up or been a part of a church culture, especially like the traditional church culture like that has been around for the last hundred years, becoming this person who brings Jesus to others usually has to begin with a couple of changes in perspective. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So what kind of perspective shift might you be talking about? Danny, do you want to jump in there? Yeah, well, we've got we've got five uh, perspective shifts. Okay, actually, more than a couple. Thanks. Yeah, more than a couple. Yeah, we got five actually that we've kind of isolated as being critical shifts. I think that we need to make, and the first one is we need to we need to have a new end goal in mind. Okay, a new end goal in mind. And yeah. so, let me ask you this question: What do you need to do in order to plant a church? Well. I don't know about you, Jamie, but when I when I think of like the traditional legacy church, um, I think well, you need you need a building, um, mm-hmm. you need a pastor, you need money, you need money, you need yeah. kids ministry, you, you need, need children's kids ministry. ministry, you need you know a yeah. worship yeah. team, yeah, um, yeah, you need a lot of a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah you got to go get sponsors, find yeah. out who's going to sponsor the church, you have to have and, special and, training, of yeah. course, and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So the, 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 the alternative question is, what do you need in order to make a disciple? Well, that's a lot different. Like to, to, make a, to, make, to plant a church, it's, that would be a very hard thing for me just to say, hey, I'm going to go plant a church today. Yeah. But to make a disciple, I mean, to me at least, I think of, well, you need a person who is um, wanting to live out the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. of go out and, and, and make disciples and you need a person who's curious about Jesus and then you just need to s- sit down together and and begin that disciple making relationship that's right it's it, it just it's two people having a conversation about God and uh, just trying to listen to what the Holy Spirit's doing so discipleship sounds a lot simpler than church planting so most importantly, though, it's not the question of what does it take to make a church or what does it take to make a disciple, but what does Jesus ask us to do? <laughs> yeah, well, great commission. Go and make disciples and teach them to obey all that I've commanded. That's what he asks. Does he say go and build a church? No, actually, he, he tells Peter, he says, I'm going to build my church. You go make disciples. I'm going to build my church. Yeah, we're being a bit tongue-in-cheek here because we already know the answer, of course, to that question. But that's precisely what we're trying to get at here is this uh, new end goal is not to build churches. But we need to reframe it to go and make disciples. Yeah. Right? And, and when you gather disciples together, a, a church can be born out of that. That's right. Yeah. Focus on making disciples and the church will automatically come. Yes. Yeah. Okay, you said you had five things. What's the next uh, new way of thinking and being? Nick, 
Yeah, so along with uh, a new end goal, uh, another perspective shift I think we need to uh, to learn as followers of Jesus is a new understanding of movement. Because, I mean, we've talked about movement already, but, but often when we think of movement, we often think of individuals. Like, you tell a person, who tells a person, who tells a person. But what if we were to think in groups? Um, you tell a group of three. Each person there tells a group of three. Uh, who each tell a group of three. And so it's the idea of movement being not so much addition, one plus one plus one, but multiplication, three times three times three. Like four generations of one plus one plus one plus one is four people discovering full life in Jesus, which is awesome. I mean, that, that would be amazing if we were living that out. But if you do four generations of three times three times three times three, that's 81 people discovering full life in Jesus. And so like we in in DMM and in the Luminous training, we are praying for and, and looking for, um, well, they're called, we're gonna learn that they're called persons of peace, but they're like super spreaders of the gospel. So, so there are people who are doorways into a group. People like, if you think in the book of Acts, people like uh, Lydia, and Cornelius and the Philippian jailer who were, who were a doorway into a, a whole group of, of people. And that's what movement can be, is groups going into groups. Yeah, I can think of times when I was uh, in my youth ministry days when uh, maybe one young person would ask me a question, but there was always that one young person who was the influencer of a big group. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember going into a junior high school right here in North Delta, actually, and one person had a really question they wanted to ask me but all their friends were standing around and so that one person's asking me the question but before you know it there was about a hundred i'm not lying to you a hundred people standing around all taking part of this process of unpacking this question so much so i got called to the principal's office for causing too big of a crowd in the hallway and uh but that's what we're talking about we're talking about trying to switch our mindset from just one-on-one encounters but opportunities where we have exposure to hundreds of people even um, and that's the movement idea grows yeah. out of that multiplication multiplication yeah yeah okay so how do we encourage a movement like this like this all sounds great but how how can we facilitate this yeah I, I I think to facilitate movement like this we have to keep things simple and we have to keep things very reproducible or uh, that can be replicated easy like uh, think of it this way so second Timothy uh, chapter 2 verse 2. Paul writes, you've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. And so even just in that one verse, I don't know if you counted, but how many generations are mentioned? Well, I know the answer, but I always still in my head think three. But there's four. So <laughs> Paul yep. teaches Timothy. Yep. There's witnesses. Yeah. And then they teach other trustworthy yeah. people? Yeah. So it's Paul. Paul's talking to Timothy, who he says, tell this to other trustworthy people who will tell it to others. And so like in DMM, one of the sort of the phrases that we use is three generation thinking, meaning that uh, Paul, that well, Paul's gen, um, demonstrating it here, but it, it, it means that He's teaching something or giving something to Timothy that he wants Timothy to teach others who will teach others. And for this to happen and to happen quickly, the teaching has to be deep enough to make disciples, 
but simple enough to pass on and reproduce quickly in other generations. And so when we think of bringing Jesus to others, we want them to immediately start bringing Jesus to others. And so whatever we're laying down, it has to be something where we can picture them um, repeating it that day. Like mm-hmm. they don't have to go to school to learn something. They can just begin to do the same things themselves. Without I, involving a lot of research and things like that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And so can we trust that um, this kind of movement is going to be as rich and rewarding as something where you'd be doing a lot of research or something? Yeah. Um, we're, we'll get into this in some upcoming episodes, but there are, there are ways to make the... Uh, the learning of the gospel and making disciples very, very deep, but also yeah. uh, very, very simple. And, and I just think of like a quick story. Um, so in, in our Ladner campus, uh, there was a couple that came to faith and they didn't have any church background. And uh, within maybe about, I don't know, Danny, like two, two or three months after they were baptized or so, I was able to connect with them and we started doing um, something called the Discovery Bible Study, which we're going to learn about later in, in Luminous, which uses this deep but simple and reproducible kind of learning. And so we were going through learning scripture together and they themselves were like, it, it, was, like, it was like their eyes lit up and, and they were learning things and they were just amazed because they had no church background. So they were just amazed by what they were learning. Next door to them lived a lady who uh, practices uh, Buddhism. And every time we had had our our Bible studies together, immediately that week, they would go and repeat the same thing with their Buddhist neighbor. And, And the Buddhist neighbor was learning about Jesus and becoming very enthralled by what she was learning and, and, and learning about, wow, Buddha doesn't do this for me, but Jesus does this for you. It's an amazing thing to, to keep things simple, but, that, uh, but deep and can be repeated that day or that week with others. And, and I think too that that speaks to the importance of this luminous training um, of keeping things simple because it recognizes that within our culture there are more and more people who don't have any background in the church. Yeah. And so we we you know 50 years ago we could we could tell a story and there was enough information that everybody already knew about God, about sin, about the fall of Adam and Eve, and all these stories in the Bible that that they would catch on. But we can't make those assumptions anymore. Yeah. And so if we want something that's reproducible, if we want something that can spread, we've got to keep it simple and not make these assumptions that yeah. everybody already knows a bunch of things. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then just back to the whole question about movement and, and groups, it's like we, we would never in, ignore individuals. Of, of course not. Like if, if we have a chance to share the gospel or disciple an individual, that's fantastic. And we would always take that up um, because we'll, we'll, we'll bring Jesus to anyone who, who's curious and wants to, to listen. But, but we do especially want to look for these super spreaders, these people of peace who are, who are doorways to another group of people that we may not have access to. Maybe. Sorry, I can't help, but maybe you need to use a different word than super spreader. I know. Now that <laughs> Coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe, I, I'm going to side with you on that one, Jamie. <laughs> How did we let Nick put that word in there? Yeah, super all spreaders. I was thinking was this. Anyway. We should okay. use a Greek word or something that <laughs> something sounds cool. Or, or something. eloquent. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Um, but it does get the point across. Yeah, we're looking yeah. for super spreaders. That's yeah, how we're yeah. seeing a movement grow. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Um, so, Danny, maybe you could tell us a bit more um, about this idea of reproducing disciples to three generations and beyond. Um, well, I, I think the idea is, is, we call it a movement because it's got momentum to it. So yeah. the idea is that you don't want, you don't want yourself to just teach one person and it stops there. The idea is there's momentum and that momentum carries forward. So I teach somebody who teaches somebody. And for us, that means, that means introducing the concept of teaching others right at the very onset, right at the very start of our discipleship process. When we're reaching people, you know, one of the first things we're doing is teaching people how to share that story to their friends. So that, like, I mean, that segues really well into that next perspective shift of, like, the whole idea of a new spiritual DNA. Yes. Yeah, we, we've, we've, got to, uh, we've got to go right back to the, to the source, right back to the very building blocks of how we have done ministry, how we've done church, how we've, you know, sought to bring out the gospel. And we've got to take a look at those very beginning building blocks. Yeah, and that's our third new perspective. Are we, are we jumping into that one now? Sure. Yeah. But it, it's just the, it was just the idea of, like, you're saying, like, we want to teach from the very beginning. Like, we're going to teach you, and you're going to teach others to obey. Yeah. You're going to teach others to obey. And that's a complete shift totally. in our normal thinking where it's like, we're going to teach you, and you're going to bring other people to church. So we can teach them, and mm-hmm. then they'll bring other people to church. So we can teach yeah. them. Yeah. Or often people think like, oh, I don't have it all together. I'm not equipped enough to talk to share anything. I don't know enough, so I can't share it. So um, that's that's kind of how I grew up. Like you got to kind of have it all your ducks in a row before you can actually share the gospel or you bring yeah. them to church so the pastor can, just like you said, Nick. So yeah, tell us about. And on the, and on the opposite that. side, we've got people who think that they're super smart, and intelligent, and they're the saviors of the world, <laughs> and and they know everything. So just bring them to me, and I'll teach them. And yeah, they right. see themselves as the great teacher. Yeah. And I think we got to avoid both extremes, mm-hmm. right? We we've, we've got to create something that has momentum so that you can teach other people. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Let's move that third that that third shift that we're looking for and that is a new spiritual dna and that's those um, when we think about reproducing disciples to three generations beyond we also need to think about our spiritual dna because uh, the dna we have is the dna that we pass on yeah, yeah. it's the it's the heart and core of what gets passed on to other people um, and what we are passing on and how reproducible is it Mm-hmm. So we've got some some tr- some contrast we want to bring out. Maybe Nick, tell us about some of the contrasts that we're going to bring out. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that maybe the typical spiritual DNA is this whole invitational strategy. Like, let's attract people to our community. I will invite them to church. But what? Yes. And also, if if you're, if you're looking at it like that, then church must be shiny and excellent. Yes. Have excellent mm-hmm. uh, yeah. everything. If it doesn't have smoke yeah. machines, it's yeah. not worth going to Or a rock band yeah. or some yeah. hipster yeah. worship yeah. pastors. So one of this DNA shifts, this new spiritual DNA, is that we shift away from the invitational strategy of, of like uh, attract people into our community to this. So it's rather than come here, it's go, which is really what Jesus says yeah. in, in the yeah. Great Commission. So it's this go strategy. So we don't bring people into this spiritual community we go to their community and we bring Jesus with us as we do. And we insert Jesus into 
that community. So the whole come versus go strategy, um, another another new per, new DNA shift would be like uh, preaching versus sharing testimonies. Like if you think about it, how reproducible is preaching? To say, okay, every time you want to share the gospel, you've got to like preach a gospel message. And I, and I think a lot of people will be like, no, that's not for me. I don't I don't have that gift. I don't like speaking that way. Um, but how many of us would be comfortable to just to share a story like, hey, this is what I, you know, I prayed about this yesterday and this is what happened. Like I can't or or I read this in, in the Bible and and it was just it spoke to me so, like to share a personal story is so much uh, more simple and reproducible um, than like preaching. Yeah. Now, as a preacher myself, <laughs> I, I don't want to diminish my own role as a preacher because preaching is wonderful. And it's fantastic. For sure. But. Uh, it, it is limited in its in its scope. You know, yeah. not everything gets learned through preaching. And what we want to do is we want to raise the value. We don't yeah. necessarily want to make preaching. We don't want to diminish preaching. No. But we want to we want to raise up and elevate the the value of sharing your testimony. Yeah. Because um, how many like for all the people that may be listening to this, if we were to poll them all and say, tomorrow morning we would like you to preach a sermon. How many would be like, yep, yeah, I'm ready to do that probably very little mm -hmm. but if we were to say we would like you to share your story with someone or to share a testimony with someone most people be like yeah i can i can do that right now i mean i might not be eloquent at it but i can i can certainly do that and i feel a lot more comfortable doing that than preparing a, a sermon of, of some sort so yeah so the spiritual dna the the come versus go the preaching versus sharing testimonies also things like theological explanations versus sharing scripture like to try and explain some theological precept is not very reproducible but to share just a little piece of scripture that you read this morning hey this is a story i read in the bible this morning that's that's very simple Another one, Nick, would be um, that the location of where ministry happens. Yes, you know, to us, we're so fixated on everything has to be in the church. We got to have a church building. We got to meet in church, and that's where stuff happens. And yet, we want to raise the value of meeting in homes, meeting at coffee shops. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and it's so much more reproducible if you could create a ministry that's not restricted to a certain location. Of course. And it doesn't make much sense to think that lots of people are going to come off the street into an intimidating church. And it makes a lot more sense that yeah. we would be where they are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like if we if we can't plant a church until we get a building, that's going to slow down the movement of the gospel in the kingdom. Yeah. But if Especially we Especially can... with the prices of property around Vancouver, <laughs> you know, we're going to yeah. plant a church. We just need $8 million to get property and another five to build a little building on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, not going to happen too quickly. No, no. Yeah. And I guess just to round, round off this idea of uh, spiritual DNA, one, another one would be like, so many times we feel in the past as being, we've been qualified by knowledge. Like it's about what you know. If you know enough of theology, if you know enough of this, then you can go and, you know, share this with other people. But really what we see again and again and again in the gospels and the New Testament is we're qualified by obedience. And we'll get into that more in our in our next uh, episode. But they just the idea of like, it's it's not what you know that that is the most important thing. It's how you obey what you know. And if That's if right. you are a person who listens to and obeys Jesus, you are fully qualified to go and make disciples. Yeah, what people are looking at is not how much you know, but they're looking at the transformation that's happening in your life. And that's yeah. what's a witness to them. 
and the power. And that's we're going to talk about the next session because we better not yeah. go into it too much here. Sure. But there's also too that idea of professional clergy versus everyday disciples, um, and and that's again where we go to that global context where people are coming to faith in Christ around the world and. And so few of them have any chance to ever go and get formal training, and yet they are still leading movements and they are still influencing people. Um, and we have to take a lesson from that, that we, we, we just got to remember that the professional clergy are not the end-all and be-all for this movement. They're yeah. just part of the piece, but they're not the main instrument in yeah. the piece. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Okay, so um, you have four. What's your fourth? Oh, yeah. So we've got, yeah, so we've done the first three. Um, the we have a marine, a marine illustration because we are here in Vancouver, so we think yep. of uh, the water and the boats out there. And so we have this this uh, fourth one, which is a new commitment to dependence: the sailboat versus the motorboat. Now uh-huh. we're talking about dependence, but Nick, how does this illustration, sailboat versus motorboat, help us to understand this shift? Sure. Okay. So if you can picture a motorboat on the water out on the ocean. Um, well, mostly motorboats are uh, very expensive. Um, they're quite complicated. Like they've got, you know, they've got the engine. They've got a lot of moving parts, uh, but they are very controllable. So w- no matter which way the wind is blowing, you can take a motorboat in any direction because um, you can control that. And that is kind of like those ministry approaches, which are also expensive, <laughs> complicated and controllable like these church programs that we we keep creating um but it's those controlled church programs are not as responsive to the wind of the spirit uh just just like a motorboat is not very responsive to the regular wind and so we get to the sailboat a sailboat like from an engineering point of view is probably a lot more simple than a motorboat um, and it's more sustainable like you can you can use it without gasoline um, but it is very highly dependent on the wind if there's no wind your sailboat's not moving unless you have a motor on there um, and so that again is like the simple sustainable but very dependent ministry approaches so so they are very responsive to the wind of the spirit because they are simple and sustainable, but they do need that wind of the spirit to blow in order to make progress. And so we talk about sailboat versus motorboat, and we even mentioned back at the beginning of this episode, the idea of like putting up our sails. So putting up our sails is simply developing these lifestyle habits, these ministry habits and structures that are responsive to the movement of the spirit. Not mm-hmm. ones that we necessarily can want to control ourselves, but ones that can get the sails up, and when the wind of the spirit blows, we are ready. We're ready to catch it. I wonder, Nick, sometimes if this uh, idea of of our new commitment to a new to dependence, dependence yeah. on the Holy Spirit, doesn't challenge the root issue of our ego. If I design the growth of the church as a motorboat with all its machinations, and then I can perhaps brag a little bit yeah. about what I did. Look at the church that I built mm-hmm. or that I pastored. Look at or, the smoke machines. <laughs> yes, look at the smoke machines. Look at our beautiful music team. Yeah. Um, and and <laughs> we, but but if I'm a sailboat, then what do I get to brag about? I right. put my sail up. <laughs> yeah. That, that's it. Exactly. I mean, I learned to ride the wind, but I'm really all the glory goes 
in this case, we're saying all the glory goes to God. Yes. Because this movement, these people coming to faith in Christ, this spread of the gospel, and these people coming alive is going to be all the glory is going to go to God. Yeah, and that's that's the DNA, or sorry, the 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 perspective shift yeah. is like we want to be committed as followers of Jesus to dependence on the Spirit. We yeah. want the sailboat model. We, we don't want dependence on our money. We don't want dependence on our structures or our ability to control a gathering like a, like a motorboat. Our new commitment is to depend on the Spirit. The more you guys are talking, um, the more you're describing a church that looks a lot more like the, the, the early church where yeah. it's Spirit-led, um, it relies mm-hmm. on just ordinary, regular people, fishermen or whatever. Yeah. Um, people are coming alive. Uh, it just sounds so exciting and so refreshing to hear this yeah. in, in today's time and about how you can do that. So totally. there is one more new... Yeah, this new this actually plays right off of what you just said there, Jamie, the fifth one, which is a new focus on principles versus tools. And and we are part here uh, of a Pentecostal church in, in the, you know, the Pentecostal church birthed just over 100 years ago, uh, very much was seeking and striving to get back to the New Testament roots. And and really what that means is we're striving to get back to the principles and try to strip away what are really tools. And what that came down to was, number one, was the Holy Spirit. The moving of the Holy Spirit is a principle that we need. We need the Holy Spirit to blow. We need the Holy Spirit to do His work. And we started to look at what are the tools? What mm-hmm. are the things that we do that aren't really the principle, but just the tools? Yeah. Right? So so in this training, as we go through the Luminous training and we go through these podcasts and the participants that are going to be joining us, like we, we really ask for two commitments from our participants that go through Luminous training. And the first one is whatever we find in Scripture, uh, over this training, we are going to receive as God's word, and we will commit to following. So we commit to following the principles that are laid out in Scripture. However, whatever tools we learn to apply those principles, we're going to hold loosely and humbly and prayerfully. So, for example, you know, a quick read of Scripture, we know that sharing our faith is a principle. So we will commit to share our faith. But Alpha is a tool. So it's just one of the ways, a tool we can use to share our faith. We hold those tools loosely, but we hold fast and strong to the principles. Yeah, tools aren't magic. They don't oblige God to act in a certain way. Yes. In fact, I think the, the Bible is very strong on all through the Bible of being careful to never apply to a tool God's uh, power, yes, you know. So even the the Old Testament structure and how the temples was set up and all these other things that went on in the Bible, people would oftentimes make the tool to be the magic, the power. You know, if only I had that, only yeah. I had this. And constantly, the Bible challenges us to go beyond the tool and see that God's at work here, or see yes. what is the principle that's at work here. Yeah. yeah, isn't that what Jesus said when he said, um, "You say that it's wrong to have adultery." commit adultery but i say if you have lust in your heart towards somebody you've committed adultery yeah so he's always pushing us past just the visible thing yeah. on the front to see what's at work yeah. behind it and and tools they they come and go yeah. right like i can like even just with sharing your faith i can think back over my 30 years of ministry and i can i can list off several different tools that were the the big hot thing at that moment to share our faith uh, but they've 
they're, they're not used anymore today. Uh, so tools come and go, but principles are the things that last forever. Can I tell a little funny story? Yeah, I had Absolutely. My, my, my cousin, my dad's cousin, actually, she's, she, she passed away at 100 years old, just not too many years ago. And she pastored in the 30s. She pastored in the 40s. So she's got a huge history. She's sitting at a church about 20, 30 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. And they were talking about getting rid of Sunday school at 945 and, and deciding they should have a Sunday night education hour. Well, it was causing all kinds of uproar in the church because there are people there who are 50, 60, even 75 years old going, well, we've always done Sunday school at 945. And, and they're, they're really arguing about the tool, which was a 945 Sunday school hour. The principle was education. The principle was discipleship. The principle was teaching. And uh, they were debating this thing, and my cousin, 100 years old, stands up, and everybody has to listen to the 100-year-old in the room, right? <laughs> and she just said, well, I seem to remember all kinds. And she recounted a few ways that they did church in the 30s. And then she said, "You, I just challenge you to tell me what scripture does it say, thou shalt have Sunday school at 945. And it shut the room down, and the motion passed, and they made a change. And it just reminded me of, awesome. of the wisdom that people bring sometimes to say, hey, let's be careful not to get so enraptured by the tools that we miss the principles that we're really trying to lean into. And that's what we want to do in this Luminous training, is, is help you shift your perspective and know the difference between a tool and the principle that yeah. we want to honor. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I think if you're focused on the tool and what used to work like 10 years ago, you're going to miss what God is currently doing in this current season with current people. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, actually, before just before I wrap up, I mean, Jamie, I know that you and I, maybe you can tell the story. Like we, we've been practicing DMM um, for a while now mm-hmm. um, in various instances. Maybe you can tell the story of Linda. Great, yeah. So um, one day at church, we had this lady. We see her, we're from Steveston, and we see her always walking around. And one day, she just walked in through the door and um, was brand new to, she'd never been to church. I think she'd been one or two times. She comes from a Buddhist background and was just really hungry and interested to know God. And so Nick and I just said, hey, want to go for coffee? We can, um, we can teach you a little bit. She was like, yes. And so we just went to a coffee shop and we um, opened up our Bible and started um, just asking her, using one of these tools that you're going to give us later, and asking her questions. And she, it's just so amazing to talk to people who don't know anything about Jesus because they're so excited and God moves in such powerful ways and you can see their lights come on and understanding um, waken. Um, yeah, and that's what was happening with her in that busy coffee shop. She was sitting there coming to all these amazing insights about God because the Spirit of God was at work in her, and we just happened to partner with God who was already at work in Linda. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, and, and I think that emphasizes that that the, the kind of stuff we are going to be learning in Luminous, it is something where people who are curious about Christ and new to Christ, it really helps them come fully alive and just just be awakened I, I, I would say um, I don't know Danny maybe you agree or disagree but I would say the people that have the hardest time with these things that we're teaching are the people that have attended church for the longest time because because they have the old DNA sure right mm-hmm. yeah I mean and, and that's not and I just want to give people permission that if you feel uncomfortable or you struggle with this that's okay yeah because it is normal we've been taught a certain thing we've done things a certain way 
Um, you know, that's what we do. We build in our lives a, a certain practice and it becomes second nature to us. And so uh, when we're challenged to maybe change that, it's not easy and it's difficult and that's okay. So embrace that this isn't always going to be easy, but we are challenged by scripture to consider that sometimes reaching a new generation, reaching this generation doesn't know anything about God, reaching a generation where things have to be done differently is going to require some new ways. In fact, that's the scripture we wanted to wrap up with today was Mark 2, 21 to 22. No one patches old clothes by sewing on a new uh, a piece of new cloth. The new piece would shrink and tear a bigger hole. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. The wine would swell and burst the old skins. Then the wine would be lost and the skins would be ruined. New wine must be put into new wineskins. Yes. And I, I love that little note about the, the wine would be lost. It'd be like, we should cry about that. What a shame yeah. to have wine spilled. Now, I don't even drink wine, so this is maybe a bad illustration for me because I don't care. But <laughs> imagine a, a really nice wine poured out on the ground and how you would weep over that. What a waste. And imagine these new believers who are struggling to come to faith in Christ because we're trying to impose old structures that yeah. don't make sense to them. Yes, exactly. It, you know, So we're challenging ourselves in this luminous training to consider some new wineskins. Yeah. And, and that's what I, I feel like DMM, Disciple Making Ministry, is, is a new wineskin mm-hmm. for, for our church. Um, but it is, at least what's going on in the world today, it's one of the most effective ways that we have seen to bring Jesus to others, as Jesus teaches us to do, right? Yes. Yeah, so I would say, I mean, a lot of people, it is hard to change and do new things, but so perhaps you could live in the tension of um, knowing something is uh, difficult and challenging, but also being open to whatever God is could be up to right now in yeah. this season. Yeah. I love I love that, Jamie. Live in the tension. And that's something we're probably going to do through this whole Luminous training, yeah. which is encourage you to live in the tension um, is things are pulling at you and just to recognize that's okay. Yeah, and so maybe like as a final send off to the people who are listening, um, I would I would just pose this question to you to reflect on: um, Where might God be inviting you to let go of old wineskins and embrace something new? And we'll get into that more in the upcoming episodes. Speaking of the upcoming episode, Nick, could you tell us what uh, what can we expect coming up next? Uh, so in uh, the next episode, Module 2, we're going to talk about the uh, the right attitude that we need to have as, as disciple makers and followers of Jesus. And, oh man, it's like a bit of a velvet-covered brick. I would say. <laughs> yeah, I love that. We, we aim not to hurt too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, there will be some injuries caused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. That's good. Um, well, thank you both for uh, joining me today here. Thank you, Jane. Uh, yeah. It's been very exciting and can't wait to see what is coming next. Great. All right. Do we have send off music? Do we have. We uh, will. Post edit, we're going to have some real yeah. fun music. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. Great. Great. All right. So, see you guys later. <laughs> okay. Bye.